he could not handle the criticism of his children at all. And it put our marriage in a really, really bad spot for a while. And that is normal. Nobody likes to hear anything bad about their kid. They sure don't. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Howdy, folks. What's happening? I wanted to sound country for a minute. <laughs> for a minute. I feel like I should work at, like, the Cracker Barrel. Uh, reserve comment. What? Because I don't like to cook. <laughs> or how fat I'd get from eating all the food. <laughs> Never mind, David. Just don't say anything. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not showing. Are <laughs> <laughs> you nacho with me for that comment? No, I'm nacho on my brain. <laughs> like, don't say it. Don't say it, David. Don't say it. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to tell everybody what we've been up to? What part? The crazy part. Um, uh, you talking about the fostering slash adoption slash rescue craziness? Yeah. Okay. So I wouldn't even say fostering. Yeah. Or adopting. I would just say rescuing. Right. So short of it is we had um, someone uh, local that had a Belgian Malinois that they were abandoning, I guess is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and so we took on the challenge and he's what, right at four? The best we can tell? Yeah. Four and a half. Four and a half. So four and a half year old Belgian Malinois. Um, and if you know anything about the breed... They are crazy <laughs> off the chain all the time. And uh, and we're used to it. We have we have one now. And so, uh, you know, we knew what we were getting into. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, but, yeah, he's um, he's even more hyper than the average, I believe. He is just off the chain with energy. And um, but anyway, when we got him, he wasn't just a. Nice little puppy. He was like killer alligator. Yeah, just, like the person that trained him had not socialized him to anybody. Mm-hmm. And so basically he was a weapon. Yeah. There's no other way to put it. He was a weapon. And we're sitting there and this dog is barking ferociously. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to eat you. Lunging. And- <laughs> yeah. And David's like, I'm, I'm, I want to get him if you're okay with it. And I'm like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not okay with it. This thing's a killer weapon. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this is your dog. If you're going to get it, it's yours. Yep. And then my son on the way there had said, oh, this is going to be my dog. And we were standing there and the dog was going crazy. He looked at David. He's like, that's your dog. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't have anything to do with that dog. He's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, he, I mean, he, well, put it this way. Before we could bring him home, we couldn't even put him in the car. We had to get the owner to put him in the car after they spent like 45 minutes getting a muzzle on him. The muzzle wouldn't stay on because he was pulling it off. So they had to zip tie the muzzle onto the dog. To his collar. Yeah. And uh, and then when we got him home, we took the crate. We had to cover the crate with a blanket so he couldn't see in order to get the crate uh, out of the car. And um, and then we put it on our front porch because if he saw anybody, I mean, he, he, he bent the crate, the metal bars on the crate, um, trying to get to us. And the whole time I'm thinking, hmm. And I told my sister-in-law... I said, if this don't work out with this dog, I'm getting that puppy I've been wanting. Because <laughs> I've been saying I wanted a puppy for I don't know how long, but I didn't want the responsibility, really. And I'm like, if we're jumping through loops to save loops, 
through hoops to save this dog. If it doesn't work out, then I'm getting me a puppy. Yeah. Now, and we didn't mention that really, but that was part of it was that it, they were going to send him to take him to the pound. And the pound said, if you bring him here, we will put him down. Well, apparently, if you take a Malinois to the pound, I don't know if it's everywhere or just this area, they will euthanize them just because of the type of dog they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because most people shouldn't even own one. Right. And David has had several in the past, so he has the training to work with them and all that stuff. But we see people on Facebook, they get them and then they can't handle them because they are working dogs. You have to give them projects. And yeah. And you've been following the Facebook groups about the breed for a while, so you know a good bit about them. Yeah, but phew, Lord, I'm I'm telling y'all, I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah. So this is. This I was scared to death riding a car with him in the cage with a muzzle on. <laughs> yeah, she was. Um, but this is the first. Like we, even though we have a we have a Malinois uh, German Shepherd mix, which they often breed the two together to calm them down some. Um, and ours is, is pretty calm. And so this is your first introduction to a full-blooded AKC registered off the chain Malinois. <laughs> well, I thought that our dog was off the chain <laughs> until this dog. <laughs> and it's like our dog's on Xanax compared to this dog. <laughs> or it's like she's an 80-year-old woman compared to, you know, an 18-year-old. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he is wild. But long story short, because this could drag out forever, um, we had a lot better success with him getting him adjusted than we thought. Oh, yeah. We were able to get a kennel that somebody donated to, you know, one of those fences and a little dog house. And we took the muzzle off of him because we couldn't stand it anymore. Even though he could eat and drink through it, you could tell he was struggling to do so. And we finally were like, you know, if David gets eaten, David gets eaten, but that muzzle's got to come off. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, our insurance deductible is too high. I'm having stress. But anyway, came yeah. off fine. And I'm able to walk the dog. My son's able to walk the dog. And this um, has been a week and a half. This has been a week and a half. The Just issue now is our dog does not like this dog. <laughs> no, she's like, I've been here for seven years, and you bring this dog up in here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she cries and cries and cries if David goes outside to do anything because she knows he's with that dog. But it's funny because the reason we're talking about all this, not just because to tell you that we rescued a dog and that he could have killed us, but um, we were laughing about it being like a blended family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's almost like if just picture the new dog as a stepkid. You know, we're trying to get him acclimated and then the hours kids like, oh, oh, you ain't bringing that kid in our house. And, mm-hmm. and then you find yourself, you know, overcompensating for the kid that's new and, you know. You, then the old kid gets mad and then she's got to eat out of his bowl. But if he tries to get near her bowl, she goes crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sharing. Yeah. And she's the calmer of the two, but she is the aggressive one towards him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By far. Like, yeah. we were worried that he was going to eat our dog, our old dog. But no, 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 no. <laughs> it's the other way around. So we're having a blended family. Um a blended furry family. A blended furry family. There you go. <laughs> and so one day we're going to have a podcast on how to blend your furry family. <laughs> Once we get our dog trying to stop eating him. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, she will block the porch where he can't walk by her and then get mad when he tries to walk by her. Yeah. It's funny to watch. Yeah. But, but he's a good dog. And I'm thankful that um, David took him because 
even though they had other people interested, I have a feeling once those people came and saw the dog, they would have been like, uh-uh, no. Like you? Yeah. And <laughs> She um, had this look on her face like, oh, heck no. But anyway, he's doing good. We're alive. Still have all our appendages. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. If you if you saw him around us, you would think he was just a puppy, normal puppy. Mm-hmm. Even though he's almost four, he's still got a lot of puppy in him. Right. But, but you let somebody else come around? <laughs> so all you people out there, as cute as those little Malinois are, do not get one unless you are willing to spend a lot of time with these puppies. Yeah. And they you, need the attention. You need to do a lot of research on this breed before you get one. Right. Not saying we're special or anything, but... No, you just need to know what you're getting into. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little funnier than normal. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's true. I say it all the time that 90% of the people don't, should not own one. Yep. And I guess now I don't get my puppy because this one worked out. You can have a puppy, too. Dude, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) Let's just wait a little bit before you get it. I can't handle two of them. I'm I'm good. I told you, maybe when Ziva dies, (laughs) we'll get me a puppy. Well, the... The other fun part is the fact that our current dog is trained in English. The new dog um, is trained in German. And so mm-hmm. now when something happens, we're like, who are we hollering at and what are we saying? We already get the dog names mixed up. <laughs> Heck, I got the dog mixed up while I go. I know. Like I looked at her and, you know, looked at the wrong dog and didn't even recognize it was the wrong dog. <laughs> and they don't look that much alike, really. No, they don't. But just at a glance, you know. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Fun around here is if, well, you know what? It's like I told somebody on Facebook because I posted something about it on Facebook. I said, this is, and they said, why would you get another one? I said, I guess I missed having all the youngins around. <laughs> so now it's like having all the kids back. You know, it is. It's like having all the kids back in one dog. Yep. All four kids back in one dog. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> he creates just as much mess and chaos as they did. Yes. But, but just as fun to play with. <laughs> So, yeah, I noticed you're not saying anything. <laughs> what? He is fun to play with. He just slobbers a lot. He's just, he's just, he's excited. He needs to calm down. He's like, why well, he come from a, he come from a neighborhood where the houses almost touch. And now he's on, you know, acres of land to run around on. Of course he's excited. He's like, look at all these places I can pee. Look at all these trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's our life. So, yeah. Anyway. Do you think people even care? <laughs> Of course they do. (laughs) They're thinking, are you really talking about your dog? There's a bunch of people out there who love their dog more than they love their kids. And certainly more than they love their stepkids. (laughs) Yes. Hey, you want to make a lot of people mad? Go in a stepmom group and say, I love my dog more than I love my stepkids. (laughs) Oh, Lord. You'll have somebody who'll say, I love my dog more than I love my bio kids. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay to say. What is that you said earlier? I said something about, I think it was yesterday. I was like, well, if we need to, if I need to find another home for the dog. And you were like, oh, you get rid of me before you get rid of that dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not stupid. It's all right. Uh, David's a nurturer. He has to have something to take care of. And I don't need him to take care of me. So I'm a nurturer? No, not really. I'm I was, lying. I keep fixing to say I didn't know this about myself. No, you are far from a nurturer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're an anti nurturer. Anti nurturer. I'm the, push you out of the boat and let you learn to swim kind of guy. Yes, you are. Just yeah. like you like, go in there with him and take that muzzle off. It's okay. You got insurance. That was funny. You when, can type with one hand. When I put the crate inside of the pen, because I didn't take him out of the crate to put him in the pen. So we put the crate in the pen <laughs> and then I go and I get, we have this 
like snake catcher pole. <laughs> so I'm like reaching through the chain link fence, unlatching the crate <laughs> with the snake catcher pole because I don't want to be anywhere near this dog when he comes out of that crate. <laughs> Y'all can laugh all you want, but go watch people letting tigers and lions mm-hmm. and bears out of cages. I'm telling you, that's why they call these things malligators. Hey, I might can put the video on um in the show notes of him when you're trying to push the cage back with your foot. Yeah. Yeah, that's like was a was it a first night? That was the first night. Or yeah. the next morning. That was Thursday morning. We got him Wednesday night. That's right. So the crate had moved because, you know, he's ramming it into the crate and it's sliding across the porch. So I put my foot on the edge of the crate to push it back in place and he went nuts. Mm-hmm. trying to get to my foot. And yes. I was like, ooh, lordy, this is going to be a lot of work. And it was. I mean, even though I say it's only been a week and a half, I spent a ton of time in a week and a half with that dog. You were sitting outside working beside his pen. I know. I just sat out with him for hours and hours until he finally just said, you know what? This cat's not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he'd bark at me and lunge at me, and I'd just stand there and stare him down. So we had to play the who's boss game. <laughs> Yeah, and then we just have to be careful because with our old dog, she would be so upset if she heard us call her that. <laughs> you could do anything with this dog. I mean, my son just tortures her, picks on her like it's another sibling, you know. I'm going to get your food. I'm going to get your food. <laughs> and stuff like that. And she, he likes for her to growl at him because he says she's smiling. <laughs> so we're like, dude, you cannot do this with the new dog. You can't show any aggression toward our old dog, you can't show aggression toward any of us, you know, just how we pick and stuff. Because we don't know what he'll do. Uh, no, because we were outside the other day and you like smiled or something at him. Uh, yeah. Showed all your teeth. I was like, don't do that. Like, oh, bad idea. Huh. All right. So I'm going to play this video. Yeah. Y'all watch your, your uh, speakers. Watch your speakers. <laughs> this is the dog in the cage with the blanket covering up the cage so he doesn't freak out. To kind of give him, you know, comfort. And David's trying to slide the cage back with his foot. Yep. All right, push your cage back. <laughs> that <laughs> is the crazy dog. Yep. So, but talking about a transformation. But here's the thing, you know, another part of it that you can... Um, kind of mirror in your step family is the fact that number one it takes a lot of work for the transformation to take place and david was determined not to give up on this dog and i was determined there was no uh, leaving on the table right mm-hmm. i'm gonna make it work no matter what i'm gonna make this work and we tell people all the time if you are in a blended relationship and you think well i'm just gonna get divorced or i'll find an apartment or something like that you're not all in You can't have one foot out the door and expect it to work. You have to be dedicated and determined that you are going to make this work. Yep. And uh, and I put in the time, energy, effort. You know, I I even though I I know a good bit about the breed and I know about training and all that, I was still doing my research and I was still reading and watching videos and all that. So I was putting in the investment of time and energy and all that. I was doing everything I could. To make sure that I improve the dog's blend. <laughs> All these people are thinking, can we send you our stepkid for a week and see what you yeah. can do with them? <laughs> yeah, but but it's funny how many people would put that much time and energy effort into doing that with a dog, but won't even do it for their own relationships. Right. It's sad. 
Well, yeah. let's talk about our next guest. Because Alrighty. I don't want to spend 45 minutes on the intro about the dog. <laughs> but I love the dog. I know you do. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's your dog. He likes me, though. He, he does. He loves his mama. He, he thinks you taste good. <laughs> so he can bite you. <laughs> okay. Our next guest is Shannon in New York. Her stepson is autistic. She had no experience or knowledge about autism prior to getting in this relationship. And y'all, the court system failed her stepkid and her husband. That doesn't shock me a bit. Me either, but it's it's just sad. When stepson started going through puberty, he started touching stepdaughter inappropriately at the mom's house. And the mom knew about it. Okay. Not that mom condoned it, but she didn't do anything to like get him help or, you know, make a big issue out of it, I guess. She was just like, oh. So this stepmom's husband got emergency custody until the hearing. And at the hearing, he lost. Hmm. Now, the bio mom is keeping the kids from him. The only time he sees his kid is at therapy appointments. He sees the stepson at one appointment and the stepdaughter at another appointment. The stepdaughter is convinced that her dad was trying to hurt her brother or or be mean to her brother, so she doesn't want to come back. The stepson wants to come back and visit. He wants his daddy. They have a great time at therapy. The stepdaughter, on the other hand, will not talk to her dad in the therapy sessions. She goes through the therapist to talk to him. Mm -hmm. So it's really sad. It's really sad. And I did reach out to this guest and ask her if things had changed since it had been a while since we recorded. It's been a couple months. Mm-hmm. She said, nope, nothing's changed. That's, so, that's that's really hard on a parent. Yeah. I mean, he, he was doing what he thought was best for his kids, both of them, and it bit him in the butt, and the court system did not help him at all. But I still think, I still think he did the right thing, even though the outcome wasn't favorable. Right. Because otherwise, he would be sitting there going... I didn't do all I could have done, you know? I mean, he's just distraught. I, I, I can't even imagine how yeah. bad distraught he is. But, but like I said, if he, if, he were not, if he were not to have done anything, I think he would feel terrible about, you know, there's more I could have done or I should have done more. I should have done this. I should have done that. It, at the very least, you can say, I've done all I can do. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but I can sleep better at night knowing I put in the effort to make the changes that need to be made. And I'm not the one that failed the kid. Right. So, before we get to listening, we have another scholarship winner. Look at all you winners out there. All you winners, jump up and down. (laughs) All you winners, touch the ground. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Our scholarship winner, the number three scholarship winner Mm -hmm. for the Sylvia Krakauer Scholarship is... Cinnamon B. Seriously? What a cool name. Yeah. Cinnamon. Cinnamon B. Congratulations, Cinnamon. We are so excited for you and look forward to working with you in the academy. Yeah. I, what if what if she named what if she had like a kid named like Sugar? Why did you sugar, put cinnamon and sugar together? Sugar and cinnamon. Cause that's what I put on my sweet potatoes. <laughs> Love cinnamon and sugar. I also put it on my my uh, cinnamon toast. <laughs> All right. So let's mention a couple things. So before you guys, uh, before we get into the interview, one, we, one. Do, we do have the, uh, the scholarship ongoing throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So apply for the scholarship, folks. We're giving away a free month to the academy. 
So apply for it. And where can they apply? At contact us at nachokids.com. Right. So send in a video. It doesn't have to be a video of you, but it needs to be a video with you talking or something. But we just want to know uh, why you want a free um, scholarship. Nobody sees the video, but Dave and myself and Sylvia. Yep. So we can pick the winners. And also, when you email us, if you are having trouble sending the file via email, I can send you a Google link to upload the file to. Yep. So so do that because it's awesome. Yeah. And uh, so the other thing is we haven't asked for this for a while, but we need everybody to step up and do some more reviews. We haven't had any um, call for reviews. We still have any reviews that come in on the podcast, but it does help us to uh, to get the message out and all that good stuff. So go give us a rating, review, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, and uh, help us out because that's how we get paid. We don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> we get paid through peanuts. No, the reviews and stuff is uh, we we use that. Uh, one is it's it helps other people who are looking for the podcast to understand is is it worth their time. And so you're you're helping other people to decide whether or not uh, it's worthwhile for them to listen. And so uh, you're doing your part to help other people when you do that. Yeah. Help other people. Yeah. Help brother out. All right. So let's get to listening, David. All right. Let's go. And before we do, here's a short word about the Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have stepmom Shannon in New York. How are you today, Shannon? Hi, Lori. I'm great. How are you? Doing good. So how long have you been blending? Seven years. Oh, so you've made it past that five-year mark already. In our hardest year, though, I think it was year like two, three that was just like, seemed like all hell broke loose. (laughs) Same here, girl. Same here. Yeah, year two to three seems to be the hardest. And I think the reason that is is because the first year or so, the stepmom still kind of pulled back a little bit, not being so demanding, for lack of a better word. And then Mm -hmm. year two, she gets comfortable in the home and around the kids, and then she starts being a drill sergeant. Yep, that's pretty much much what happened. And two, my stepchildren were only three and five when we got married. And so they were cute little kids. You know, um, mm-hmm. sweet, cute little kids and no, none of the real like behavioral things and the pattern started, they didn't start revealing themselves until a couple years later. And then that was when it was totally clear that we were not on the same page as parents. <laughs> okay. So you've got two step kids mm-hmm. and they were three and five when you got married. Three and five, three-year-old girl, five-year-old boy. Okay. And do you have any bio kids? Yes. So we have a six-year-old daughter. Okay, so you have a six-year-old Hours daughter. An Hours daughter, yes. So okay. she was born um, within our first year of marriage. I mean, obviously the latter end, but yes. Yes. So that was a whole other thing, too. So I was a first-time mom and stepmom um, pretty much all together. <laughs> yeah, you had your hands full. I did. I did. It was a lot. Okay, so what is visitation like with your stepkids? Well, visitation, they, pretty much the... 
the majority of the duration um, that um, we've been married and um, through, you know, post-divorce from them was that um, they would be here. It's like one night a week, school pickup to school drop off. And then every other like Thursday through Monday, school pickup to drop off. And then it was like an uh, even odd holiday schedule as far as like the school breaks. And then it's week on, week off, Sunday to Sunday in the summers. Okay. Now, how far away do the stepkids live from you? Um, it's probably like 15-minute drive max. Yeah, it's they're not far. I'm curious, um, did your husband want 50-50? Did he try to get 50-50 with them being so close? Or Well, in, um, you know, obviously wasn't there for the divorce and how that all custody arrangement set out. But he's told me that, you know, uh, he could have, I mean, he could have gotten 50-50. Um, but he, he said, you know, he didn't think that he would be able to handle it with his work schedule. Um, he works, he basically, he, he works in hospitals, but he's, um, he's present for surgeries. So he's kind of on doctor's schedule where he's, you know, he can go into work as early as 6am. And so it wasn't really conducive, especially when the children, before the children were in school, preschool don't typically start till nine, you know, all of that. So he was afraid he couldn't manage more than one night a week and every other weekend with his schedule, um, when that started. And, um, you know, gradually, um, it, it took him setting some boundaries at work after I set some boundaries at home um, for him to be able to advocate really for the, the schedule to be able to, um, you know, be present with them when they were here the entire time without, with or without me. Right. Because that's important. There's really no sense in, quote, quote, the bio dad getting their kids when they're not even there to spend time with them. And it's funny too, because, you know, it just shows what a journey being a stepmom is. And I've heard you talk so much about, you know, what you were doing wrong and how everything, but like to me in the beginning, it was, it kind of seems like it felt very natural for me to be like, well, if you can't be there, I'll do it. I didn't mind watching them. I didn't mind, you know, driving and taking them some mornings or to kind of fill in that gap because I went in. Um, I wasn't from a divorced family and I didn't, there wasn't a lot of divorce in my family. Um, so I, other than like friends, parents, like I didn't have any experience with it. So to me, it was kind of like, it, it, I think we both had a nuclear family mentality going mm-hmm. into it. And then our do- having our daughter kind of solidified that. And it never really occurred to me until I was burnt out that like, this is not my problem. <laughs> this is not my responsibility. And, you know, a lot of that, the, it was a very high, high conflict, divorce, post-divorce, everything you can imagine. Um, so that in having to even communicate or deal with um, their mom also just became so mentally draining for me that it was honestly a big part of it. There was just so many fights surrounding it. And I was just like, I just got to step back. Right. And we go in and whether we realize it or not, we do have those nuclear expectations and we mm-hmm. kick into motherly roles. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, I get, you know, I really viewed it as from a place of responsibility and that their, you know, public behavior, their manners, um, everything involving them reflected on me somehow. Um, and that, that has been a hard thing for me to overcome. Like I've taken a lot of pride in what I put into them when mm-hmm. they were younger. And, um, and that, I mean, that was, that was my issue to get over, not my husband's. <laughs> right. And let's just go ahead and tell the world, the stepkids' behavior is not a reflection of your parenting. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. 
And we do. We have to drive it home. Yeah, we don't want to be out in public and the kids act crazy and we think that we're being judged because we're with them. I mean, unless you look completely different, you could be assumed to be the bio mom. Oh, that happened to me quite a few times. Even though, like, my stepson doesn't, um, my physical attributes and their mom's attributes, are like our colors, everything, are, we're polar opposite coloring wise. Mm-hmm. I don't mean like race. Well, yes. Anyway, we, we look totally different. So, and different body types, everything. So, they, my stepson, very much takes after her in his appearance. And my stepdaughter looks a lot more like my husband. And she's a little bit fairer than my stepson too, which just, you know, and it just made a lot of people just thought, you know, that she was, you know, oh, is it your mom? But yeah, I mean, we, a lot, it wasn't even questioned um, with her if I would take her somewhere. And so that wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing to me. Um, and my, I always had a, um, had a good relationship with, with her anyway. So um, once I, especially once I stepped back and became a fun aunt. But yeah, you, you get asked that and you, you think, oh my gosh, they're thinking I'm his mom. Why am I not doing anything? And my mm-hmm. stepson is autistic, which throws a whole new um, spin on that because, you know, those are some, those are difficult behaviors for even seasoned, um, you know, parents, therapists, teachers to, to deal with. Um, and that was, that was a lot for me. Right. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, did you have any knowledge or anything regarding autism before you became part of Stepson's life? No, I did not. I mean, I knew about it, but I didn't know anyone um, that had autism that I knew of. Um, I really didn't know a ton about it. Um, and so I am like, I dig in um, with information. So I, I read, you know, everything that Temple Grandin wrote, I, I tried to, you know, read books and just get knowledge of the basics, um, asked a lot of questions um, to my husband and his family. And um, even at the times where there was, you know, some healthy communication between their mom and I, um, I, I would ask questions too, because I just wanted to make sure that I, you know, I understood. But honestly, he is, um, he's really the only person in my life that I've known that's autistic. I can very easily recognize it now, um, mm-hmm. probably quicker than a lot of people in an interaction um, with someone new. Um, but yeah, that was, it's really been my only experience. Well, I know, um, for instance, David has four kids and he treated all of them differently based off of like discipline. Some of them didn't care if you took their phone. One of them would freak out if you took the computer. So, you know, you have to adjust to each child but what do you think is the biggest thing for dealing with a child with autism that the difference is? They, one, you have to recognize that when they're at, there's a point of no return and that you can't reason um, with, you know, with that child when they're in that place until they can get calm. Um, that's a big one. And then two, like it, consistency is the most important thing in their life and they thrive on it. Um, so, and then uh, I, I'm saying more than one thing and then just visual cues, like so much of what you're, you say to them, those gets kind of tuned out. And so when it's something is written or when there's a picture or graphic that goes along with it, 
it, it registers so much more clearly. A behavioral chart did wonders in our home with like just expectations and a rewards chart for good behavior. And then, you know, behaviors that were, you know, it'd be like yellow, orange, red, red would mean, you know, no electronics for the rest of the day, whatever was important to him at that time. And it was always electronics. Um, that, yeah. So it, it was, it was things like that, just that how, how much they really thrived on that consistency, which you can imagine how difficult that would be between two homes. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. So did bio mom communicate with dad and say, this is what I do for him here, you know, schedule wise, when they go to bed, when he wakes up, when he does homework, things like that to try to keep things consistent? Or was it just no communication between them and he just kind of had to figure things out? No, she very much, um, especially in the beginning, because you got to remember too, like, okay, so he was five when we got married and started kindergarten, um, he'd had like in-home ABA therapy services um, up until that point, I think from the time he was probably like two or three um, until he went to kindergarten. And so when he started school, then it was like a whole new, the whole new world and the routine came even more important and then getting on board with the teachers. So there was lots of communication around that, you know, set, you know, this is bedtime. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, he, he was allowed to eat meals, not at the table. And then that became a thing. You know, he's got to eat at the table or whatever. And I always tried to, um, you know, we would implement whatever she was doing in that structure. Cause it was, it was small things. It was not a big deal, but there was a lot of back and forth about what to take to school, what not, what he would eat in his lunch, what he wouldn't just, you know, there's some stuff back and forth, but I think it was pretty the most part necessary communication um, mm-hmm. about him. But as he got older, it seemed, and depending on how their relationship, my husband and his ex and how they, their communication, and it was volatile, sometimes it would be decent. And then, then it would go to, you know, mad at each other and not, I mean, it was just so toxic to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, then we wouldn't get it. And so then we'd be dealing with behaviors at our home that maybe she didn't have it hers. Um, what I found was like the biggest difference, I think, you know, she and I have very different parenting styles. Like um, she's, like, I don't know. It's, she was more, and I think a lot of, I don't disagree with this on like a fundamental, this is going to be terrible for your kid, but you know, she very much the stay at home mom mentality of doing everything for your children instead of mm-hmm. like teaching them to do things for yourself. And I'm like, the polar opposite of that. And I, I think self-sufficiency is like one of the most important things you can teach a child. And so I've, I focused on those things like age appropriate tasks and behaviors. Also knowing that like it would take him longer and we would have to start like, because there was two years between him and his sister almost, almost exactly. And so if she was able to do it based on what I knew about his like autism diagnosis, diagnosis and levels because he's not severely autistic um he is higher functioning um mm-hmm. that you know it'd be like okay if she's doing it we can he can start you know or at least introducing that so and it got to a point where it was like he was doing things at our house very independently that was not happening at hers and it, it just there the, the every year that has gone on there has been more and more of a gap in what he was able to do here and be responsible for versus what was happening at mom's. Um, and, you know, chores, 
um, you know, just staying in his bed at night, um, bathing himself, like all of those things were, were all happening here. And they were, mom was doing everything for him over there. And um, it was, it, you know, it caused a lot of problems. Right. So when he would come back to you, I'm sure it was kind of hard on the one night a week, but on the weekends, was it hard to kick him back into the routine of being kind of independent at your home or did he just automatically fall back into it? You know, it would depend. And honestly, I could, if I had like, you know, documented and tracked it all, I would, I could probably see where if mom was mad at dad, he had a harder transition. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, he, the one night a week wouldn't, wouldn't really be a big deal because it was a school night. So you're getting them. It's fun. You know, my husband always want to make that fun for them coming and we'd all go to dinner. We go do something fun when they got out of school um, with our little one. And, and so that wasn't really where we had the problem. It was in the unstructured time of the weekend, just, you know, what he was used to. Um, you know, he really thought that he was, um, in charge of all of the electronic devices in our home. Like he would take remotes out of people's hands. He would, um, take a phone, like an adult phone, like my husband's or myself, and he would run away, run off with it. And just some things that, you know, it's hard with autistic children because most children learn that like, there's what you can do at home. And then there's what you do when you go to a friend's house. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, that's very confusing to him because he's just going to do what he's typically able allowed or able to do. So, you know, I would tell my husband, like I'd be beating my head against a wall being like, okay, if you continue to let him take your phone without permission, then he is going to steal someone's phone that he doesn't know one day because he is so used to being able to do this at home. Like it was just these things like that, that just blew my mind that, because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's not always going to be just a cute little boy. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to grow up. He's going to get older. And then, and, you know, he's a beautiful child. And, you know, autistic children don't look different. They don't look like they have a handicap. So right. nobody knows, you know, and then he could get in like really big trouble later if we're not nipping this in the bud right now. Um, and I always try to take my cues with him from whatever in-home therapy he was getting. Um, I'd lo- I love to talk to the therapist, be like, okay, this is what I- what's happening. How do we handle this every time and stay in communication? Which really, that should have been my husband. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there, was, um, there was a lot of that. When you talk about the unstructured behavior, I mean, the unstructured time on the weekends causing issues... Do you think that's because he was so used to going to school or daycare or whatever Monday through Friday? Or what was his schedule like with that? Did he stay home with mom? Um, so, yes, he was home with mom because preschool did not work. Um, and they had like an in-home ABA therapist come and work with him a lot um, mm-hmm. like as opposed to school. Um, when he was little... He, you know, he eloped, he would run away a lot, not like run away like another kid runs away, but he, he's like, he was a little ninja. I mean, he could just disappear in two seconds, like fast (laughs) as lightning, just gone. And, um, and so that was obviously a huge safety concern and that and his love of water, even though he was always, always been a good swimmer since I've known him. Um, but you know, there were safety concerns with that. Um, and it wasn't something a, a typical preschool at that time was really like a private preschool was 
set up to handle. So I'm not sure. I think it was just, I think it was just different family rules and what was allowed, you know, Mm -hmm. like for me, my, the weekends for me, like we do fun stuff on Saturday or I would work on Saturday. And then on Sunday it was like, okay, this is the day everybody does laundry where it's clean the house day. It's the whatever. And that's what we do. And there was just a, you know, obviously a lot of resistance when they were kind of used to doing, I don't know. I mean, we entertained the kids, no doubt. In fact, I think they were over entertained, um, but it was always, you know, just kind of like, it was just harder when we were all there together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and to, it was also hard because I think he got, because there was a, a young, young child, a small one involved. And I was, you know, there are a lot of his behaviors that were, that, you know, were concerning to me just, but not like he's a bad kid, but this is what comes with autism that mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was pretty protective of our daughter around him. And, you know, he, he didn't really deal with the word no very well. So it got, it got pretty difficult um, until we had someone come in and do like an at home chart expectations, everything of what to do and why, and told my husband that he needed to be the one to implement it, not me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, she, she caught it real quick because she was going between homes um, for a summer nanny for him. Um, and, and sadly, too, because of these behaviors that continued to escalate, um, he wasn't, there was no like drop-in, like daycare type thing that he Mm -hmm. could go to, like he, he got kicked out, he would get kicked out and they'd say he couldn't come back. That happened a couple of times. Um, he got, we would do a weekend activity and like go to, you know, like a a science center or, a um, like one of those jumping places where you'd go and same thing. He would, um, he would end up getting asked to leave, like, because he would either not stop doing something that somebody worked there, told him to stop. Or he would sneak off and go where he wasn't supposed to go. So it was just like, it was just kind of so much at once. But once we got that at-home chart in place, it it really helped. But as I was saying, I think I, the the teacher that went between the homes was like, yeah, I'm seeing it. Like, he's putting on this big, super, like, super kid, I'm so good, big smile, wanting to make dad happy when dad gets home. And to like minimize whatever behaviors he had while dad was gone. Right. Dad needs to, dad needs to handle this. Yeah. That way it would be, Oh, you're the evil stepmom and you're just bashing my kid. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, 100% have, I mean, I am the evil stepmom in our family. Like 100%. It is, it is not, <laughs> that has not gone away. No matter how much I have, um, stepped back to be honest because then because now it's kind of like well dad just does it because that's what she wants and dad's different when she's not there or a lot of that has happened it's just like and I'm kind of like well you know it you've been guilty dad syndrome and now there you're gonna have to kind of answer for why things are different like you're in a tough spot right you know? right well let me ask you this when when you would tell dad, like, look, you can't just let him snatch your phone and take it because he's going to take somebody else's phone. Was he receptive to hearing those things from you or did he just kind of shut you down and like, oh, you're worrying about nothing? It would depend. Like, it was like, I think he got it, but then nothing, there were no, it, there was a lack of consequences in our home for mm-hmm. 
him for a long time or he'd outgrow the consequence and nobody moved on to anything else. So it's kind of like he could be told no, you know, or don't do that again, but he's not going to remember because, <laughs> or if he does, he's just going to do it when no one's looking and there's, there's never any real consequence and nothing's going to change, you know? And it was, right. a, it was a tough, it was a pretty tough um, go of it when that chart got introduced because, but his behavior changed pretty quickly. You know, there's always that extinction burst. Um, but then, you know, he internalized, I think, what was expected. But then mom wouldn't use a in-home chart at her house. And mm-hmm. as I said, is older, the older he's gotten, the more, you know, the, the difference between the way the homes are structured. Um, it's just, there's not a lot of boundaries there. And um, any attempt, that I made for a long time to implement, you know, parent child boundaries between my husband and his kids or whatever um, was very much, I mean, like he, he could not handle the criticism of his children at all. And it put our marriage in a really, really bad spot for a while. And that is normal. Nobody likes to hear anything bad about their kid. They sure don't. They sure don't. No. Yeah. (laughs) It's just been, but you know, they've, they had quite some, eye-openers within this last year that I think I've spoken to you about previously that was, um, you know, he hit puberty and was just, he, we, we found out that he was from a stepdaughter that he was touching her inappropriately at mom and mom was aware and not like aware, like condoning it, you know, obviously, and she's not like, <laughs> not like that, but aware, yeah. <laughs> didn't communicate it to us. Um, was still allowing them to both sleep with her in her bed. Um, and, you know, there was a lack of, I guess, supervision of the two of them together. Um, and, uh, you know, my husband, he filed for, um, he filed for emergency custody. Um, and he got to keep them until the court date. Um, mm-hmm. And then he lost it. He didn't lose it, like, emotionally, but he lost in court. He, they, you know, Mom tried to present it as it was him trying to get that he was just trying, you know, it was a custody coup for the stepdaughter and that, you know, because he was trying to get my stepson to be able to go to a um, like a residential, like a nice one that was specific to autism that could deal with all of those behaviors and just like in school and all that it wants because um, he was he was afraid for him because mm-hmm. had it, you know, I mean, they DCS doesn't play, you know, and it was just like. They were like, you know, had he been 13 and not 12, um, we would have filed a petition and against him, you know, and he would have been a juvenile sex offender. And right. that just, you, you can imagine how eye-opening that whole situation was for both mom and dad of how far this has gone with them not being on the same page, getting his behaviors in check um, at home. And at school, because there were problems at school, too. That's just sad. Yeah. Right. So the right now, because of that situation, um, he is not here um, and hasn't been in since last this past summer. He hasn't spent overnight at our home. He's been to our home for a couple hours at a time, and we've gotten to see him. And my husband gets to see him um, once a week. But there's, you know, he's the therapist that my stepdaughter sees recommended that 
um, for based on a couple of reasons. One of which was um, my stepdaughter, after all this went down, she felt like we were treating him differently at our home. And which really we were just following, following the DCS safety plan, which mm-hmm. said that he was not allowed to be alone with any other child. And right. there were two other girls in this house, two girls in this house, you know, and my, oh my gosh, my level of anxiety was just like, I, I literally felt hypervigilant um, after that happened because that's like one of my worst fears for yes. either of those girls. And um, it came true, you know, and it wasn't that I thought he was this horrible kid. It's just, he needed a lot of help, but I'm also not willing to have that in my home. And right. You know, and because of my own child um, and he and, you know, it got to a point because, you know, he wasn't going to be going to this residential place. So the normal custody did resume that I um, I chose. And, you know, it was hard on my partner or my husband, but, you know, he understood because he had the same concerns. I was just like, I'm going to get an apartment for a year and see how this pans out um, during, and go during your custody time with our little one. And mm-hmm. stepdaughter can come too. it'll be just a girly fun awesomeness for it. And so I did that. I signed a lease. I, um, and we talked to my stepdaughter about it and she seemed cool. She understood. And then the next time she went to therapy, which was like two weeks later, uh, I guess mom got wind of it. All of a sudden it was, you know, I don't love my stepson. I only love her. She doesn't understand why I don't love her brother. And, you know, she's like horrible step parent. When in reality, I'm just trying to protect my child. Do you really think I want to move into an apartment out of my big, beautiful house to go live in an apartment half the time? And you were trying to help protect her. Yeah, 100%. Completely scapegoated. Um, Completely scapegoated. Um, To the point that, like, literally, um, my stepdaughter's therapist has, and she's fantastic. I mean, she's one of the best, has told me, she was like, I honestly don't know if your relationship with her is salvageable at this point because of that. Like it was that far and it just broke my heart because and pissed me off one, because, you know, just from a justice standpoint and, and I'm an advocate for children in foster care that have been put in foster care due to abuse or neglect. So this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, it, it just, it, it was just so sad because I'm like, you know, this is my daughter's sister. I, I have poured into her over the years. I had a great relationship with her. And then, you know, now it's still be nice to my face, but then it's, I don't want to come. It, she hasn't been here since October. I don't want to come if she's there, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just totally turned into just a mess. And and then she's kind of got over that. Like I went to therapy with her and, and it seemed to smooth things over a little bit. Um, and then the last two times that she came here, she tried to run away. What? Oh yeah. She tried to run away. Um, which was, I mean, I mean, poor thing's 10, 10 and a half. And we just, I mean, she's always been a kid. She's always loved being here. And, and there's a lot to do here. Uh, we have a neighborhood with a pool. She's got a bike. She can ride around. It's gated. So there's like sidewalks everywhere. It's super safe. There's other kids. I mean, we're in a community that's very child centric for school systems and everything. And, uh, yeah, it just, and she was always such a daddy's girl. You know, so it was heartbreaking um, for that to happen. Um, but the last time that she did that, I stayed out of it completely. And my husband, after two and a half hours, um, ended up just screaming at her to pack her stuff and go to her mom's, which I do not agree with. And, you know, it 
she did. And she never came back. And now he sees them in therapy until they can work through what's happening. So that's the only time he sees them is with the supervision of a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. At the, at, at their place. So I guess you would consider it technically supervised, even though the therapist is like, I'm not, this isn't supervised visitation. This is just a therapeutic setting where I think we can make some headway until, um, you know, and, and see how the, the relationship progresses and works. But it's just, it's been, it's been a journey. Like when I think about it, like this all started last May and here we are, like it'll be May before we know it. We know how fast time flies. And I'm like, wow, what a difference a year can make, you know, like I, I don't feel like I'm a stepmother anymore, even though I still care about them. Um, I'm just so like sad for the kids and my husband and then just in my daughter, you know, cause that's been hard. Um, luckily she's, you know, children are very resilient, but she misses her brother and sister. She asked about mm-hmm. them. She'd love to see them, you know, um, she doesn't, she knows enough, but not too much. I mean, she's six. You know, she knows he was making some unsafe choices. She knows that her sister really wants to be at mom's right now and not be here. Um, And that we don't know when we'll get, they'll come to our house again, you know, and just kind of like, you know, she's having to get used to the maybe. And maybe we'll see them next month. Maybe I'm really not sure right now. She really just wants to be with mom and they FaceTimed a few times, but it's just like, now it's like, it's just, it's just the three of us. What about the stepkids? Do they want to see your daughter? Um, well, my stepson, he doesn't really ask about her, to my knowledge. And honestly, that, that's been not a difficult relationship between the two of them. But, you know, they, they don't have the same bond that he has with his, um, his sister um, that's from his mom. Um, but, and, you know, part of that is because that wasn't necessarily like the safest thing. Um, because he would, um, if he was angry at me, you know, if he'd get angry at me, he'd hit her or like just some, and not like, I mean, she's not getting like bruises and hurt, but you know, pushed down when she was little or this or that, like he just kind of, I was always wary, um, around of her around him. And then she had even expressed to me, um, about a month before everything that happened with him, um, last summer that she didn't want to go on trips with him anymore because she was afraid he was going to hurt her because she'd seen a lot of violent behavior out of him in our home, whether it was directed at her or not. And it kind of amped up as the hormones amped up um, over the, probably the six months prior leading up to that. Um, So, but she, you know, 100% like loves her brother. It's just, you know, he, I, I, the only person in our house that he would ask, ask about, um, would be dad and he loves dad. Um, so, and then my stepdaughter definitely once has asked to see our daughter, um, and wants to see her and all that and asked about her. But, um, up until, you know, I don't, the therapist, the last time I talked to her, she was like, you know, I'm trying to balance her demands with what's best. And, you know, she was like, I don't know if I would want my little one to come out and have to go to a therapy session with her sister when she hasn't done anything wrong in this scenario, you know? Right. So we're just kind of yeah. feeling that one out. Like, I don't know if she's, if they'll be back here. Um, and of course, now that all of this has happened and they've been with mom for this amount of time, 
Um, mom is now trying to petition for full custody of the children. So whereas my husband, he dropped his petition probably, I don't know, maybe in like September or October of this year, because there was no point to have the petition when the kids weren't even there, you know, like they're not even wanting to come or, well, my stepson is, but stepdaughter isn't even wanting to be with us. And he was like, this is, he was like, I can either spend money on getting her help and therapy, or I can spend money on attorney and I can't do both. And so he chose therapy. And the GAL was 100% on board with that. She was like, you know, the only thing that you can do is drop this. And she was like, it it will stop <laughs> a lot. And this is not something that's going to be figured out in family court. This is something that needs to be ironed out in therapy. And he did. And then she immediately filed one. And he's just pro se himself right now, which I cannot believe. Um, but also, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I don't... I, his decision making right now, I feel like he's so scared and traumatized by this entire thing that, like, I don't necessarily think he's made some of the best choices in therapy. Like, he tried to get a bunch of gifts for them over Christmas, and the therapist was like, no. Like, if they're not coming, <laughs> you know, refusing to come means no gifts. Like, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, he's desperate. I can understand why. He feels very helpless. Yeah. I can't imagine because he was trying to get his kid help and it bit him in the butt mm-hmm. because basically he doesn't get to see either kid very often and it's only with the therapist present and the relationship with the stepdaughter, who knows if he'll even be able to re- rebuild that. Yeah. I mean, like the last time, I guess last week when he was in therapy with her, I mean, she pretty much was like, oh, it would be years before I would come back to your house if ever. <laughs> I'm like, it can't, I mean, this, he, he said, I don't think you can understand it. He was like, that this is not, it's like, she's not her. Like she's lost in there, you know? What does the therapist say about making her go back? Well, she did that at first until the runaway things happened. And when she would run away, it was also like complete anxiety attack, meltdown that she would have. Okay. And so I think that that, and which is very real for her. You know, it's legit, it's real, um, but it was a safety thing. Not like we're unsafe, but that her choices here were so unsafe that we needed to stop for a while. And it just, you know, it just makes me so angry because I, I look at, had, it's like, had my husband listened to me and properly documented and handled all the things that have arisen over the last few years legally, um, because these seeds have been planted for, I mean, these seeds of alienation have been planted in the beginning with her. Um, she's mom has put her in the middle of every, you know, disagreement that she and dad have had. She's even brought me into some of them and which is frustrating because I've really done my best for the last, I guess, three years, 2016 was when I said enough. And I like nachoed before I knew what nacho was on many aspects, not everything, but on a lot. And I definitely nachoed their mom. I was like, I'm done. Like no contact. I'm done. Um, and, but I, in that way, it wasn't, you know, to be a smack in her face. It was like, no, you don't understand. I'm not going to be in between y'all's problems anymore. Like I'm getting creamed in here trying to parent these kids with your expectations and his, but he's my husband and you're like, 
sending me grocery lists to get for them for my for my home. Like I can't mm-hmm. feed children properly. You know, stuff like that. And I was just I was just done with it. um so uh, yeah, I don't even remember where oh, but had he, you know, legally stood up for his rights more than he did and just I don't know, we would probably be in a different place with her because there would be documentation. You know, had he only communicated with her via email or an app, you know, a parent parenting app or something like that, instead of like these phone conversations that were ridiculous, then, you know, all the crazy be down, but it's not. And so, you know, she's been able to do this for a while. And, you know, when my stepdaughter first started refusing to come, um, he catered to it. Like, I don't want to push her. I don't, you know, whatever. I know she's had such a hard time and all this. Well, that's you know, that was him not following what the therapist wanted, you know? And she was like, I wanted her back at your house so this anxiety could subside as soon as possible. And, you know, I still think that's what would be best for her long-term would to be go back and forth between the houses. But she was like, but, um, you know, this, it, it becomes more and more entrenched the more she's with mom. Right. And the reason I asked that about making her go is because most people will say, well, a child does not get to decide if they go to visitation or not. Yeah. A child should not be making that call. She should be made to go, and that's the final say, period. But like you said, I mean, the kid's running away. God forbid mm-hmm. if she ran away in the middle of the night and got kidnapped. Yeah. I mean, yeah, oh, it was just, oh. and you know, too, it's so hard because it's like, I feel like mom laid a trap for dad. And he fell right in it, you know, like, let's just, (laughs) you know, she knows he's passive. She knew that he would, you know, not because he he has a hard time saying no to his kids. He does. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, had he been better and he did like enforce it for a while once the the therapist had gone out of town. And that was when a lot of this went down initially. And when she came back in town, he was like, listen, she hasn't come, you know, she, her, his ex would send him like videos of this is what, this is how your daughter feels about coming to your house. And she'd be like screaming, crying in the back of the car, like crazy stuff. And, you know, I think he felt guilty. He's like, okay, well, we'll just let her stay there and then that'll be fine. But then he did start enforcing it when therapist came back in town and had a meeting with mom, GAL and dad and was like, uh, you know, my recommendations need to be followed here because this is court appointed, you know? And, uh, yeah court-ordered therapy. So, yeah. And then dad started cracking down and that is when um, the running away started to occur. Yeah. Has the guardian ad litem or the therapist even addressed that bio mom is fueling this? Yes. 100%. 100%. It has been addressed. The problem is, is that they have to get my stepdaughter back to a, a safe enough emotional state to for them to feel safe for her to come. And I guess um, some of the wrenches that keep getting thrown into that is just, you know, my husband with, with my husband would be like with all of this going down over the holidays, you know, getting her gifts, even though she thought she was pretty clear that that was not, that should not be the case. Uh, you know, things like that are just like, you know, I mean, the last time I talked to her, she said she thinks that they should be at a place where she should they could retain a visit outside of there, like within the next six to 10 weeks. Um, which, and that's with him going there to see her, both children separately. Um, 
the same, you know, place um, every week. But then, you know, I don't really know what that's going to look like. And then you've got on the other side, mom not wanting them to be with dad at all and like wanting no contact. Um, so, I mean, it's alienation has been mentioned more than once, but it's a really hard thing to prove, especially when dad's not doing everything by the book and he doesn't have an attorney to enforce things legally. So it's basically like, you know, I think on some levels she feels she being the therapist feels like he's not doing everything that he can, even though she knows what's happening on the other side. It's kind of like, I can't help you if you're not going to help yourself and you're not Mm -hmm. a victim here, you know, type mentality. So it's been hard for me because sometimes I just want to like shake my husband and be like, do you realize that if you don't, um, if, if you don't A, B, C, or D, then this is going to get really, cause you know, like I'm, I'm on all these groups. I see what happens when the kids are alienated for a couple of years and then come back and the hell that it, it, you know, <laughs> the families go through. And, and then I'm also like, I don't want this family to not be a family either. You know, it's so hard, but uh, at the same time, having this time without them here and us for the first time, really being able to function 24-7 as a nuclear family um, has been a piece that I, I, I had forgotten existed, to be honest with you. It's so peaceful here. And then it makes you feel guilty because yeah. you're enjoying his kids not being there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't very well tell him, you know, oh, things are more peaceful since your kids aren't here because that would be horrible. Yeah. And we've, you know, it's like we've had to have some really frank conversations about it. And we go to, um, we have a great marriage therapist that we go to. And, um, and, and that not just about this. In fact, the goal was we were in crisis dealing with this and then trying to move like that out of our relationship and it just be our relationship. And, but, you know, there are some very difficult conversations had, but he does know that, um, like for my stepson, like the, the, the release of anxiety once I knew he wasn't going to be having overnights here anymore. Um, like it, I, I mean, it changed. Like I didn't, I don't think I realized just how anxious and like unhappy that I was because of the fear of the unknown and everything else. Um, you know, this whole summer after, um, after all of that went down and just, you know, I mean, it was very, very difficult. And then having to, you know, take a huge chunk out of my savings to furnish a, a, an apartment and do this, you know, whatever. And then only to cancel the lease because the therapist removed overnights and they had him back at mom's um, for everyone's benefit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so much. So I, he does see that because we know it's not the kid's fault that all of this is happening, you know, um, it's, it's the grownups fault. And, you know, it's so much drama came with them to our house because of their mom or my husband's right. inability to properly knit things in the bud with her as far as, you know, just her interference. And, um, so yeah, so I, I think he knows <laughs> that it's, it's more peaceful because I think it's more peaceful for him, but he misses them terribly. Yeah. Yeah. More than we could ever imagine, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, every time I, I'm like 
want to get like pissy about something, I have to remind myself that like this is severely traumatic for my husband. So you got the apartment and not long after you got the apartment and had what one visitation where the stepson came to where you went to the apartment? No, I never even went because um, I was able to like the day before my lease began, I was able to get out of it. I mean, I had to pay a month's rent, um, but I was able to get out of it. So because because of the timing, I'm like, well, if he's because she said she was like, you know, he can resume overnights at your home once and establish like the uh, the new ABA therapist has started. They're putting back an ABA and that there's an established like home behavior expectation um, across both houses that both parents that I can see that both parents are proving to use. So he'll never go back. And it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not going to happen. And that, while it makes me sad, it doesn't. Because that was a very, it was a very difficult dynamic. And while I feel guilty because, you know, this is a special needs child. However, I don't blame him. You know, this is an issue. This was a parenting issue, period. Mm-hmm. This all falls back on bio, mom, the majority of it. A lot of it does. And a lot of it falls on dad. I mean, you know, dad is is not a, is not a, a good disciplinarian. Like mm-hmm. he's not like he's a, let's talk about it. Like he's, he's calm and patient and talks things through and, um, and he's gentle, but like the consequence part piece, he was only beginning to grasp. Um, when all of this started to to happen and he was better at it, but then it would come out and it also came out in therapy too. And I think these are other things that are stacked against him that like, you know, my stepdaughter felt like he was only doing that when I was around that Mm -hmm. if it was just her and her brother and her dad, then things were way more lax and that chart or those rules or anything weren't necessarily being followed, which, you know, put me in a bad light. It makes me yeah. look, you know, and, and, you know, the therapist, when I finally got to speak with her, she know, I had to wait until their mom signed off that I could speak. So she's like, absolutely, like, completely scapegoating me in therapy and in other things, too. Like, it was just ridiculous um, what she was doing while I had no, like, advocacy for myself there. Um, once I, she agreed that I could be brought into therapy because the therapist was... Like, I need the other piece here. Like, we can't blame this all on one person. And I don't get to speak with her. And, you know, she told me, she was like, I feel like that um, you you are the evil stepmother because neither parent has had reasonable or healthy expectations for um, your stepson. And she said, mm-hmm. and that has painted you as the bad guy. She goes, everything that you told me about what you've done, your parenting, everything else is... Um, she said, I approve of, she said, including the chores, including the consequences, all of it. And she was like, I think it's very unfair to you that you've even been expected to, um, ever even be alone with him based on and care for him while caring for your young child. She was like, that's very unfair. And she was like, and that's on dad. So as you see, like (laughs) if dad, dad isn't out of the woods as far as blame on this either, you know, but right. again, my husband is one of those husbands and he's had to get over this. Um, but that is very content in the nuclear role of the dad that 
works and provides, and he takes a lot of pride in that, and he's a successful man. Um, and but that like the the home stuff is left to mom. But you know mm-hmm. that was what was so hard for us is I'm only mom of one. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, one of the three in the house. Well, let me ask you this: Does your husband parent your hours daughter differently than he does his stepkids, or did his stepkids? Yes and no. So one, kind of like you're talking about with David, you know, he parents the, the three children are so incredibly different. Obviously, my stepson with special needs and being the only boy, that's one thing. Um, my stepdaughter, she and my husband have very, very similar personalities, very similar, and they were like two peas in a pod. Um, all the time. So she, I mean, like I could joke with him that she's his favorite, but I think it's just because she just, when she was here, all she wanted to do was be with dad. Like just loved her daddy. Wants to be in it. It annoyed me at first because I was like, okay, she's like a stage five clinger. <laughs> like I can't yeah. even sit down with you. You know, the mini wife thoughts started coming into my head. And I just realized mm-hmm. she just likes her dad and he's her person. And once dad was able to set the, this is my wife and these are the decisions I make with my wife. And here's where you can have some say and clear all that up. We were cool. Um, plus I like highly encouraged daddy daughter time for the two of them because I really thought she needed it. And in a way from a baby or away from her brother that takes a lot of attention because he has special needs, you know? And then our mm-hmm. little one is like, I, um, oh gosh, like the, Love child, like hippy dippy, like she will probably go to music festival. I mean, she is just, <laughs> just such a little free spirit, artistic, you know, crafty little kind hearted thing. And she's so she's they're just so different. But he one hundred percent backs me with everything with our star. I mean, with our little one. I mean, it's like if I said no and she talks back, he'll be like, "Do you hear your mom?" And I did not get that. I mean, it took a lot to even remotely get anything close to that with my stepchildren. And so it right. is very different. And he has higher, he has higher expectations of our daughter um, in behavior than he had for, I feel like he had for my stepdaughter at all. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, there were some, there were some differences. In fact, I, I think, you know, if I'm trying to find the good in this situation, I'm glad that our little one isn't going to be watching the dynamics being so different with her sister um, as sister gets older, because I know enough to know that the manipulative behaviors are, would only be beginning. And she sure is learning a lot right now, sadly Mm -hmm. of how to manipulate and get what you want to get what you want. And um, I am feeling like her being here as a teenager would be, it would be a lot and I'd have a hard time. Um, watching that influence on my daughter because mm-hmm. she is thinks her sister hung the freak her big sister hung the freaking moon because that's what you're supposed to do and she is a great kid yeah. I'm not saying she's not but clearly there are going to be so many issues coming from this that are just going to be really really hard right and she's going to carry this her whole life she's going to carry it her whole life and that's what makes me so sad for her like I've had I really felt like I've just had to mourn that in my own way because I can't mourn it with my husband per se because it's different. Mm-hmm. Our grief is different in this. And, um, and I, you know, it seemed like when I would get up, try to like get upset about something like 
with with her and I or so not upset at him, but just so sad about the situation. He couldn't really be there with me because he was so entrenched in his own and it's so much deeper. And so right. I've just, you know, I've gotten support, you know, I get support like right now or, um, you know, close friends and therapy or whatever for my own feelings of loss um, on this situation because it is so complex and he doesn't want to hear a lot of it. Not like he's saying he doesn't want to hear it. I know he doesn't. He doesn't have the capacity for that right now. Right. Which is understandable again. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I just, um, oh, it's so frustrating. I can't imagine how he feels. And one thing you had mentioned earlier is that you're in a lot of groups and so you saw or you have seen parental alienation and how it plays out. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times the kids, when they get older, they realize, hey, my mom was bashing my dad. Mm-hmm. And she really shouldn't have been. And then they end up closer to the dad than yeah. with the mom. Yeah, it happens. And I'm, yeah, and I'm not saying that I hope that stepdaughter ends up alienating her mom, but I'm just hoping that when she gets a little bit older, she'll be able to see that, look, my dad was trying to do what he thought was best for me and my brother and my little sister. So, you know, maybe she'll come out of this on the other side and things will be better than you could ever imagine at some point. That before all this happened, I mean, she was, we, you know, we, my husband and I talked like there were some things that had come out of her mouth over the last year that really alluded to her being frustrated of about mom stifling her independence, um, her being frustrated that mom talks bad about dad, um, and her really wishing that she could be here fifty uh, fifty um, because she got into some like divorce like kids group at school and mm-hmm. divorced at school and she was like there's not and she I mean she even told me she's like some of the kids are so lucky because they get fifty fifty they get to see, be at their dad's half the time so I was like well is that something you'd want and she was like yeah and then I just didn't say anything else because I know where that would go you know but and she'd even asked my husband one time, she was like, can you, th- can you talk mom into going to therapy, dad? Cause it really helped you. And I think she really needs it right now. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, well, um, I don't know if that would be well heard coming from me, but maybe <laughs> you could talk to her. <laughs> you know, like she was starting to catch on that mom just didn't like her to be happy here. And mom's being super and mom being super controlling. And so for her to go so far in the opposite direction and like everything at our house is bad and she'd never want to be here. It's like, it's, it's very telling to me that she's, you know, in a, a brainwashed state. Um, right. and even the first time she ran away, um, I was able to talk her down like in the neighborhood. And, um, she, you know, she said, she was like, I was like, you know, I was like, where are you? I was like, and I was like, are you, I know you're going through so much hard times, but like, are you in there? Like you've always left us and being with us. And I'm just, is there something I can do, you know, whatever. And she was like, I just feel like, you know, my brain's been taken over. She actually like said that out loud. Like, there's just something in me. I feel like my brain's been taken over. And I was like, whoa. I mean, what do you even do wow. with that? It's just sad. It is. It is. I mean, she's 10. She's 10. And like, you know, all those hormones too, like she's dealing with all the, you know, she's about to go into middle school and that's where so many things change. And, you know, I'm sure she'll start her period, like all these things. And I'm just like, all of that while dealing with this and being like cut off from her champion, 
which has always been dad. Um, yeah. You know, the, the little guy gets mom's or the big guy gets, you know, a lot of mom's attention. And because, you know, you have to, a special needs child gets, I mean, they demand a lot of attention. And so she had to grow up a little faster. Like she's the, she functions as the oldest child in the family, even though she's not. And so she was always pretty mature for her age in many, in responsibility in many aspects because of that. Um, and there's just so much pressure on her. And now to not have dad who she like lived to do things with, uh, I'm just like, you just can't be good in there, you know? So would she be okay going back and seeing dad at all? No, wait a minute. You said that she told him the last time it'd be a couple years or something like that. Yeah, before she comes back to our house. So, so one thing that therapist has talked to me about is like, okay, so, you know, realistically, what are you comfortable with if, you know, custody is to resume? She was like, because obviously the current parenting plan is null and void. It will be null and void because, you know, um, my stepson will, you know, not be living with us or whatnot. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, she was like, do you want them to come to your house at all? And I was like, well, I'm okay with, you know, it's like if my husband wants to bring his new ABA therapist to our home to start an in-home whatever, and that be when he comes to our home and then, you know, him use that outside of the home, you know, if he's wanting to do that, that's fine. I was like, but no, I'm not comfortable with him being in our home frequently or like, like that without there being like clear, like, I'm not going to just have this dad, desperate dad to see his kid be here with no, you know, um, one under a microscope from mom on how the son should be treated and two, not have a behavioral plan with this, with a therapist. Because I mean, it's been mm-hmm. what, like eight months since they've been out of our house. He's been out of our home. Like he's started a new school. He's in middle school. He's doing all sorts of different things. He's grown a foot. Like he, he looks like a teenager. He's almost a teenager. And I'm like, and we were having all these other issues. And I was just like, I'm just not comfortable with it until that that happened. And um, she was like, I think that's completely reasonable. And then it's on your husband. if He's going to do that or not. I'm like, okay. Right. As far as my stepdaughter, I'm fine to have her here as long as the dynamic is healthy between her and, you know, my husband, but that being said, he can go get them anytime, <laughs> you know, their mom's going to try to control it. But if he wants to go get them and take them somewhere outside the house, and then our little one and I can come and meet him for lunch and hang out a while, like I'm cool with all of that, but I am pretty committed to peace staying in my home. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, um, that dysfunction created so much discord and I just, um, I'm going to protect it. So I'm just grateful that there's a, the therapist um, is taking me and as a stepmom into account a hundred percent in any decisions that she makes and our little daughter, you know, into the decisions that she makes for, because her recommendations are what they're all going on right now. Right. And not in a bad way of, well, you're an influence in their lives. You need to step up and you need to, da, da, da. I mean, she's literally told you, you need to continue to step back and dad needs to step up. Oh yeah. She was great. She was like, I don't want you doing you. She goes, you be um, loving and kind. She goes, I don't want you to be extra nice. I don't want you to do extra things to try to like win them over. None of that. She was like, you continue to be loving and kind. And she was like, dad's got to handle this. Right. Okay. And I can, you know, you talked about him taking gifts to the therapist for them. 
I can see that break in his heart when the therapist is like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, you know, the fact that he did not get to see them at, at Christmas was, I mean, Christmas was hard on him. It was really, really hard. Um, we had a happy Christmas, but um, it was still, you know, it was difficult. I mean, obviously, like there, he had to walk away and go cry his eyes out a few times. And it's hard to see your husband so sad and broken, you know, over mm-hmm. something like uh, over this. And, you know, but, you know, honestly, too, I think something he's starting to realize is that there's no end in sight with this. You know, it's just going to like it just may just be what it is until she's old enough to be able to think for herself. But gosh, I mean, think about how many things you miss, you know, I I honestly don't know what's going to happen. Well, I'm proud of him for not saying, you know what? I just give up. Yeah, no, that hasn't happened yet though. I think he's had some moments where he's felt that way. Um, But for the most part, you know, I mean, he's like, if I'm staring at the back of her head in therapy for, you know, until she graduates high school every week, then so be it for her to know that I'm here and I love her, you know? Um, and then I didn't give up. And then you know, last week he came home from therapy. She said she didn't want to come back here for at least a couple of years, if ever. And he was like, I'm not ready to give up. I'm over this. I'm so mad. He's like, I don't, ugh. you know, and he like needed mm-hmm. it. I was like, you need a minute. And he was like, I need a lot of minutes. And I'm like, okay, here's you a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or go outside and get a punching bag. <laughs> yeah, he he bought a big boxing thing, like the I don't know what they're called, the stand and then the gloves. And he's going in our upstairs landing, and every now and then I'll just hear him like go crazy. I'm like, okay, I'm like good for you, get it out, have some self care. Yeah, because I'm sure when stepdaughter said that to him, he was part of him probably wanted to bust out crying, and then the other part of him was probably like, fine, be that way. Yes. Well, and it's so hard because you know he has to come completely control his emotions and he's an emotional dude and it like just having to really control that in there when you know he's he's only seeing them there so then that's emotional when he gets to see them anyway and then Mm -hmm. for her to be so standoffish and you know like there's like she i think she had like such an intense like anxiety panic freak out like because they he didn't see her for three weeks over the Christmas holiday at all because the therapist office wasn't open. And then when he finally did see her, apparently it took like 15 minutes to even get her out of the car to come in to see him, which is just bizarre. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's just, and then, what, but when he sees his son there, that's like a super happy time. He's super excited to see dad. They, you know, do their little games that they've always played and they make videos because my stepson wants to be, like a YouTube video person. Anyways, it's so he wants his own YouTube channel, which is hilarious and awesome. And so they like uh-huh. rehearse that back and forth and they just have so much fun. Like there's absolutely no reason for them to need someone to watch them at all. So I think that's going to end soon. But then, but then to go in and to have that reaction out of her and it's just like, uh, yeah, it's, it's brutal. I think that's just what it is. It's just brutal. He doesn't have visitation with them, with the therapist together is separate no it's separate it's like an hour for one an hour for the other have they talked about doing it together because i'm wondering if it would be good for her to see how good dad and her brother are interacting yeah it's a thought it's a thought yeah because i mean i'm just thinking that 
she was like, well, you're treating him differently and da 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 And then now it's she's there to see him and she's miserable. And, right. and he's happy. Yeah, he's having a blast and dad's having a blast. And so if she saw dad and her brother having a good time together, who knows? It might pull her into, hey, let's quote, quote, play happy family again, or let's all play a game together and have fun instead of this being a miserable hour. Yeah, you're right. It may be. Yeah, I was just curious about it. I could see it eventually getting there when she's a little more receptive to just general conversation with him. Because, I mean, Mm -hmm. like, I only think she's, in this whole time since they've just been doing this at therapy, has she only, like, hugged him and told her she loved him once the whole time, like, refused to even do that. Like, she would have her back to him the whole time, communicating through the therapist, like, telling her what to say, or writing, like, writing letters back and forth to her dad. And she won't speak to him on the phone. Well, see, and that's another thing. I would think the therapist would try to, and I'm not saying that she doesn't, but I would think the therapist would say, hey, you know, how about you turn around and you tell your dad? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, who knows? And she, like I said, she may be doing that. We, we aren't there. We don't know. Right. Um, I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I'm just thinking that maybe if she was there and saw her brother felt comfortable, that she may feel more comfortable and open up a little more. You never know. I know. And we thought about, like, you know, bringing our daughter to go to kind of open that up, too, and the three of them playing or whatnot. But then, you know, I still have hesitation because, you know, the dynamic between her and my husband right now, according to the therapist, isn't great because there's so much around, like, her. She would come to, she was fine with coming to our house when he had something, like, big and fun planned for her. Um, but that was it. Any other time she didn't want to come. And it was kind of like mom, I guess, would let her pick and choose, you know, tell, like she'd get mom's okay on things that she really wanted to do, but anything else, it wasn't a big deal. And, you know, the, in between the weekends where she ran away, the two weekends that she ran away, she actually went on a, she and my husband took a trip. He took her on a daddy daughter trip and mm-hmm. that she really wanted to go on. And, um, and then it was the next weekend that all of that went down. So the therapist was like, and she admitted that the only reason she came to our house that weekend was to go on that trip. Wow. And that was pretty eye opening for yeah. the therapist and myself. I don't think it was super eye opening for my husband. I think it was just hurtful. Um, and that's why the gift dynamic was such a big deal for her, not for my mm-hmm. But for her was because one of the first things that she said when she was in therapy was, well, if I, you know, that she was not going back to her dad's was that, um, you know, does that mean I don't get my Christmas present? And I was like, see, that's why <laughs> y'all don't spoil your kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. I was like, yeah. Yeah. That's bad. But I don't think he knows any other way. <laughs> yeah. Which makes you wonder, though, how much of her not wanting to come because she felt like their brother was being treated differently. How much of that's true? Well, personally, I, I don't I don't know. It just kind of blows my mind because, you know, this was a little girl that very brave. I mean, she was brave. I mean, she was scared, but she was brave. I mean, she had to, you know, have a forensic interview with DCS to confirm what she had in the initial interview and had to, they made my husband file a police report. So she had to be interviewed 
with that too. And, you know, she went through a lot plus not being able to talk to her mom for a little bit and, you know, or whatever and work in, but like came on the other side. She was like, called me and was proud of herself. Like I did it. I talked to the policeman and I was scared at first, but it went fine. And he was super nice. And I know he can help. And And then like, Will took her to dinner and she even opened up more about the, that situation and at, at mom's house or whatnot. And then to go from that to saying, then she started saying that, you know, her brother didn't do anything wrong after mm-hmm. she went back to her mom's, which the therapist nipped in the bud, though that's still being used all over any sort of court documentation is that she said that he didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, DCS, they didn't prosecute him because he's, still a minor or he's not, I mean, he's not 13, so they couldn't even prosecute, uh, prosecute him as a juvenile and which I'm glad, I'm glad that that, you know, glad that this got up was, you know, found out and discovered and he got help before it got, it could have gotten worse, but um, right. for, for his future, you know, um, but at the same time, it was like, they couldn't determine whether it was sexual in nature. Um, and so there was just so much gray area because of the autism that it just made it, you know, kind of made it look like we blew it out of proportion, but I will Mm -hmm. never, I will never think that that was blown out of proportion because regardless if it was sexual or not, like that's not okay. And she, no child deserves growing up getting touched with the excuse of he doesn't know any better. I call BS on that because yes, he does. (laughs) Yes, I do too. I definitely do too. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, ugh. Yeah, because th- this could be so much more. Something could happen to her in the future, and she thinks, well, you know, it's not their fault. They didn't know what they were doing, and I'm not going to tell anybody. And that's, those cycles are so generational in families. Mm-hmm. And, and that's scary to me, because those abuse cycles are very, very generational. And I'm just like, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. It's funny because I've, I, when I've, I've tried to have so much reflection um, over this last year and um, just thinking about like how, like, oh, wow, how do we get here? You know? And then in remembering that, like that moment that where I was just like, no, no, my daughter's not going to live like this. Like she's not going to live in an environment where this may or may not be taking a place or could or whatever. And it's just no. Even if it means, you know, hopefully it won't, but even if it meant the end of my marriage, even whatever, it was just like that eye opener of absolutely freaking not. I'm drawing the line right now. Done. I'm not going to live like that in my house. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and just kind of where the, this, me getting an apartment turned into this huge catalyst for, um, well, a lot of blame from everyone but my husband. Um, but just, you know, wow, they're not here at all. Like yeah. that wasn't my intention either, but holy cow, you know, it's just, it's just crazy how it all plays out. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I pray, I pray that, you know, this can resolve itself, but honestly, I, there's, I see zero chance of my husband and his ex being able to co-parent because they have not demonstrated that in seven years. Because co-parenting right. to her is him doing everything that she wants when she mm-hmm. wants it done. And the co-parenting to him is just normal communication back and forth, more of like a parallel parenting. Like he's not really interested in 
in talking to her. Now, if it's something that has to do with the kid, he did just write me an email, let me know, and I'll take care of it. But you know, it's like every her emailing, she was so mad that she would have to email, then her emails would be like word salad of just blame and yuck and circular. You wouldn't even know which way was up. So it's just like it was such a everything was so draining. Um, you know, too, and it's just like they're never it's not going to happen. They're not going to do it because mm-hmm. I don't think she'll ever, I don't think she'll ever um, love her children more than she hates their dad. Number one. And number two, I don't think he'll ever grow a pair big enough to just freaking put it like, you know, do the work that it's going to take to shut it down with her. Cause that's a right. lot of work. It's a lot of effort. And you know, we see that all the time where the disgust for the other bio parent outweighs the love for their child. Yes. It's sickening. It's really it, sickening. It is sickening because who would want their child to grow up without the other parent unless the other parent was, you know, abusive or put them in danger, which is not the case with my husband at all. And, you know, but it's her, you know, her wounds from their marriage are what drive, you know, like it's like the kids can't have a, any better of a relationship with him than she does. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the way it's always been. Yeah. And same with me. I mean, when I stopped talking to her, I mean, it was, I was evil stepmom real fast, real fast. Everything got blamed on me um, by her for a while. And to the point, I, I finally I told my husband, like, you know, I, I would, you know, why are you even telling me this? Yeah. Stop telling me anything. No, yeah. I don't know what she, I don't want to know what she says. But just for the record, when I do, like, knowing what she says just makes me, like, I don't want to hear it because it's super negative. And I'm like, but it also lets me know that I'm doing something right if she's pissed. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. You know, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, you know, you're doing something right when she's not happy. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, somebody said, it, somebody must have told her no today. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shannon, it has been great having you as a guest oh, on our podcast. Lori, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to me. Well, I am curious to see what happens, so keep in touch. I will. I sure will. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome, and thank you for being here. How many times do you hear, when we got married, everything changed, even though we've been living together for four years? (laughs) Yeah, well, for those who live together, I hear that. Or, when we had an hours kid, everything changed. Mm -hmm. It's like the bio mom goes crazy. (laughs) When the stepmom has a baby. Yeah, that can happen. And let's talk about this for a second. I think it's because prior to that, she had one up on the stepmom. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I got his baby girl. (laughs) I had his baby. (laughs) I'm the baby mama. (laughs) Now it's somebody else going to have his baby. Mm -hmm. So then the bio mom kicks into, you're not going to have any time for little Johnny now that you got her pregnant. We heard that the other day, actually, from somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it's the kids start saying that, when you have little Susie, my mommy said that you're not going to love me anymore. That's when you look at that stepkid and go, don't make me go get me a dingo. Then I can say, dingo ate my baby. <laughs> David. <laughs> what in the world? What, you don't know that? No, but why would you want... It's just a reference to something. Some people get it. It's okay. Y'all Google it. (laughs) Okay, so you're going to tell the stepkid that you're going to go get a dingo. (laughs) So the dingo can eat the stepkid or the baby? The stepkid. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. It's been rough. Uh, yeah. Just being married to me is rough. Yes, it is. Look, I didn't need your approval. <laughs> you knew what she was getting into? You knew what you I signed up for? I knew part of what for? I was getting into. rest of it, I had no clue. All right. Whatever, David. <laughs> did you whatever, David? Oh, I did. <laughs> Them fighting words. There is fighting words. But I'm also glad that Shannon in New York and her significant other have worked things out because they did split up, as she mentioned, for a brief amount of time. Mm-hmm. See, dude, I knew if I was leaving, I wasn't coming back. And I wasn't caring. <laughs> I wasn't caring either. At the time, I wasn't. I mean, I'm being honest. At the time, if you would have packed your stuff and left, I would not have cared. Oh, honey, don't cry. It's okay. I ain't crying. <laughs> She's like, dog, I should have left. I had a chance. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but that just goes to show how bad it was. Because I honestly think people hear us now and they're like, oh, they didn't really have it that bad. And I'm like, no, it was terrible. It was terrible. But, of course, this stepmom became a stepmom and a bio mom all within a year. Mm. Yeah. That's a lot of changes. A lot. And then you got crazy by a mom. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, but yeah, that's, that's a lot of big changes all at once. And then the by a mom felt entitled to have a relationship with her. No. <sighs> what is up? We've discussed this. Or maybe it was somewhere else we discussed this. <laughs> I had no desire to have a relationship with your ex. And I had no desire for you to have one. But here's a mistake people make often is that, and it's the guy that does it. So are you gentlemen out there? All you fellas. Yeah, all you fellas in the house. This is where we're messing up. Is Pay that- attention, David. <laughs> Woo, we were got this on recording, y'all. David said, me and mess up. This is where we're messing up, though, is that we often, and, I, and I'm not speaking in general terms like everybody, so let's just get that out of the way. But we often despise our exes so bad that when we marry this new woman, and she's so fantastic, and she comes into our lives and all that. And we go, you know what? Now we've got somebody that can be a buffer between me and the ex. And so, and sometimes the 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 new wife steps into that role, but oftentimes the man either allows it or pushes it to happen. Like, you deal with her. I don't want to have to deal with her. And that's a big mistake most of the time. Yeah, and my ex and I don't get along at all, and we basically parallel parent. And yeah, I would have loved for David to have to deal with him instead of me. But that's not right. Jackson is not David's kid. Nope. If I would have asked David, you know, can you contact the ex because of da 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 da, he probably would have. Just because he knew how much it stressed me out mm-hmm. to have to deal with him. But let me tell y'all a funny story. It's around Christmas time. We're selling a Christmas tree. <laughs> I remember this one on Facebook. No, no Craigslist. Craigslist. This is yeah before Facebook could sell stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because it it would have made sense if it was Facebook anyway. Yeah. All right. So, so listed some Christmas trees on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> David gets a text from somebody wanting the Christmas tree. Yep. And the text is like, "Hey, you still got our tree?" Yep. And the guy's like, well, "When can you meet?" David said, "I, I got to <laughs> drop my stepson off." Yeah. At the fish camp. Right. Because that's where we're meeting at. At 6.30. <laughs> and the response was, beep. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? I got to pick up my son at the fish camp at 6.30. <laughs> Who is this? And I'm like, uh, David. He's like, you got to be kidding me. So, yeah, of all the people on Craigslist, because we don't even live in the same town. <laughs> of all the people on Craigslist, 
her ex is the one that contacted me to buy the Christmas tree. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll bring it at the kid swap. <laughs> and so, you know, David, I remember you sitting on the couch replying to this message and you're like, uh, you aren't going to believe this. And what was funny was normally Jackson's dad would try to haggle somebody on price. Mm-mm. We took the tree. He just da- handed David the money. <laughs> that was hilarious. Which, I, I mean, we would have gave it to him, really. Yeah. But he never used it, though. I think Jackson said he never even took it out of the box. <laughs> yeah, I think Jackson's granddaddy ended up giving him a tree or something. But really, if I didn't know my kid didn't have a Christmas tree at his dad's, we'd have just gave it to him. It's no big deal. But um, <laughs> we just thought that was just way too funny. It was. It was. We definitely. laughed. We probably laughed way too much for that. <laughs> for like an hour at least. Well, it's like for like the next six months, every time you see him, you want to ask him like, how's the tree? <laughs> <laughs> how's that tree holding up there, buddy? He probably burned it. That would be funny if he like brought it up in some kind of court documentation. You sold me a crappy tree <laughs> six years ago. <laughs> and I want my $20 back. <laughs> Taking out your child support. <laughs> that would be funny, wouldn't it? That tree was defective, just like you. <laughs> it's crooked. I'm surprised he took it. He'd be like, I ain't opening this box up. It might blow up. It might be why I never took it out of the box. Dude, I would have just been like, if I was him, I don't know what I would have done, but I'd have been like, oh, never mind. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Oh, I got a tree. Thanks. Oh, I just found one in my yard. <laughs> yeah. And there's a bunch of them out there. I, I just changed religions. I don't need a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be darned if I'd have bought a tree from him. That was funny. I think he was too far in at that point to back out. He's probably like me. He's like sitting there going, I can't believe this. <laughs> 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 He's probably thinking the same thing of all the people I contact on Craigslist. So obviously David didn't even have his number. No. Nope. Anyway. I had to share that story because I thought it was funny. Yep. Yeah, I don't even know what got us there. Anyway, is that all you have for today? Yeah, talking about the stepmom communicating with the bio mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it works for some people. It does. It does. But, you know. But it can also turn around and bite you in the badonk donk mm-hmm. Well, I know with, with me dealing with my ex, um, you and I had a big difference of opinion about how the response should be. And sometimes I agree with your response, and other times I was like, I am not giving it that much weight. <laughs> but I think we both finally come to the conclusion that we were both spending too much time. But, it, but the funny part is, is like, when I was responding to my ex, I'd take three hours, and then you'd be like, just say okay and send it to her. But then when you get something from your ex, you'd do the same thing. you spend three hours, and I'd be like, just say okay to him. And <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the, the uh, advice is good for you, but it's not good for me kind of thing oh you know what that just gave me a perfect idea in the academy and maybe you and i need to do a podcast on this too but in the notching kids academy we need to do a course on how to reply to the x that's a good idea write it down before you forget i will because i'll forget by the time you finish this recording <laughs> before you finish this sentence <laughs> I know. you forgot already <laughs> i did not forgot I as you're writing you forgot hey that's happened before that's why our podcasts are so entertaining because we forget what you told us five seconds ago <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Yeah. Instead of 41st dates, it's like 41st podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. Let these folks get on with the rest of their weekend. Yes, and congratulations to Cinnamon B yep. for your winning a scholarship to the Nacho Kids Academy. Cinnamon, B- Cinnamon Bun? No. Cinnamon B? You sure? I'm calling her Cinnamon Bun. 
Okay, you call her whatever you want to. <laughs> she'll be in the academy. <laughs> she'll, she'll reply to something and go, this is Cinnamon Bun. <laughs> 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 All right, Cinnamon. Uh, we can't wait to see you there and can't wait to see you on a coaching call. Don't yes. forget, be on the coaching call. Yeah, be They've on the been call. awesome lately, too. Man, his coaching calls have been great. They have. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. And um, hey, I know it's a long time to next week, but we'll be here next Friday. Tune in. Same time, same channel, all that good stuff. And you'll hear Lori say, Dang it, David, I forgot what I was doing again. <laughs> That's any day of the week. <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks for joining us and see you next week. And don't forget, life is always good when you're not sure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.